So, I was saying that purpose is not gotten by assumption. Purpose is not gotten by guess what. Purpose is not gotten by just do what you like doing. Do what makes you sleep at night. You know that's what they tell people. Do what you like doing. Do what makes you sleep at night. Do what um, do what takes away sleep from your eyes. Do what you are passionate about. The truth of the matter is, if we all do what we are passionate about, it's, it's too loose a way to find purpose. It's too loose. You get? It's, it's a loose way. They say the way to discover your purpose is um, what makes you, what you are passionate about, what you see that don't make you calm down, what you see that takes away your soul, what you see that you get angry with. But the truth of the matter is, if we do that, I'm not saying people cannot find purpose that way. I'm saying that way is too, it's too loose. It's too much of a loose way to find purpose. And whatever you find through that way will not be transcendent. Will not be transcendent. And transcendent in the sense that the purpose that God wants us to live and God wants us to be on earth, those purposes are purpose that will outlive us. Those purposes are purpose that will outlive us. God wants us to make impacts that those impacts will last years, years and decades after us. Those purposes that God wants us to live, or God wants us to live by on earth, are purposes that do what? Transcend us. It is called legacy. God wants to make a name for himself through your life. Your purpose is bigger than you. Your purpose is bigger than you. It is, it is a D. Your purpose is more, more of a big D to God than to you. It is more of a big D to God than to you. You know why? Because God wants to leave a legacy on the footprint of time. That's why I tell people that being a doctor is good, being a footballer is good, being a basketballer is good, being a um, musician is good. But those things in themselves, they are not your purpose. Those things, they are ways you will achieve your purpose. Those things are ways you achieve your assignment. See, whenever you think purpose, let one word always stick on your head. What is the word? Assignment. If, if assignment stick on your head, you know that you cannot give yourself assignment and mark it on yourself. You will know that you have to need a creator, an outside force that will give you that assignment and will be the one at the end of the day to score you. So that whether you like and they place you as a doctor, that thing that your hand find it to do, it's just a front, it's just a disguise to do the real thing that you were called to do. Sure, you got my point. That that thing that your hand find it to do is what? It's a disguise to do the real thing that you are supposed to do. That thing that your hand found it to do is a disguise to do the real thing that you were called to do. It's a front. Oh, I became a banker. In that bank institute, there is a preordained assignment. You know that you are not going to be a banker forever. That's what I'm saying. All oh, your careers, your goals, they are not your real purpose. Because you are not going to be those things forever. You are, you are, as best as you are, if you live very long, you are going to be a doctor for maybe, let's say, you, you tried your best to become a doctor and maybe at 70, at 80, you have to retire. What happens in that many time that you were alive? Maybe you retired at 80 and you were able to live up to 100, to 120, to 90. Who would you be able to live to 81? What happened between 80 and 81? If purpose is by just doing the things you like, things you have heard before. Oh, I like treating people, I hate seeing people suffer. What happened at my end point of retirement? What happens if you failed? You know the way of Nigeria is. Oh, you are passionate about people, you hate seeing sick people. Then Nigeria hits you. You know Nigeria now. Nigeria hits you. You got jammed for like five times before you were able to pass it. When you now pass the jam, finally you now go to the, to the university. The university now said that it's easy for them to give you medicine. They're not going to go and give you biology. Or they're going to go and give you chemistry. 
Some people will leave it and go again, go back to God and start trying again from the beginning. But my point is, wherever life places you, wherever you find yourself, there's a how to live. There's a how to live the assignment that God has given you. That assignment is bigger than your career. Your purpose is bigger than you. God is more interested than your purpose. And I'm saying that for all of us, generally, we have one purpose. There's the general purpose and the specific purpose. For our general purpose is to make the name of the Lord great. It's to give God pleasure. It's to heal the sick, cast out devils, raise the dead. It's to live Christ-like among people. It's to make Jesus popular. That's the general that general purpose. But there's this specific purpose. There's that specific assignment that God has given to you. And maybe that assignment for you might be to a people group. To be a, to, to a people group in Uganda. To a people group in Bahrain. To a people group in Sokoto. To a people group in Yenogua. Maybe that assignment is to young people. So that even though I'm a doctor, I'm still ministering to young people. Maybe that assignment is to restore broken homes. Even though I'm a banker, in that banking field, I am restoring broken homes. Maybe that assignment is to bring people's purpose back to them. Is to other people's life alright. I am I am I am a teacher, but I am still finding time. That teaching is just in front to still do the real reason for which God has created me. There is a reason. There is a reason. There's a, a reason. There's an ordination for which God called you. And I could have seen this morning in Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. He said, Ask ye for the ancient parts. See, see, if there is a God that creates you, that God created you for a reason. The onus lies on you to go back to that God and ask him for the ancient parts. If there is a God that created you, the onus lies on you to go back and ask, Oh Lord, why did you make me? And, 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 and when you ask, when you ask, you know the beauty of asking is that when you ask, God will answer. God will answer. Let me, let me introduce you to a very beautiful scripture. A very beautiful scripture. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11. If you are a Christian, you are supposed to know that scripture of heads. Jeremiah 29 verse 11. Jeremiah 29 verse 11. We are going to stop at verse 14. Jeremiah 29 verse 11. He said, For I know the thoughts, or can, if you are there, can we just read it together? We respect the Bible translation. Are we there? Jeremiah 29 verse 11. thoughts I think towards you, said the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to bring you to expected end. First scripture. That means there is a reason why God created you. There is a purpose for your life. For I know the plan. Which translation said plan? Which translation is that? Amplified. What translation said? I know the plans I have concerning you. I know the plans. King James says, for I know the thoughts. God is thinking about you. That your life that you think you will sit down one place and put your hand and start thinking and you say, think, think. What do you like doing best? And what do you enjoy doing? What makes you sleep at night? What makes you wake up? That whole thinking that you're supposed to be doing. There is somebody that has done the thinking for you already. He, he knows the plan that he has concerning you. And the Bible made us understand that it's thought of good 
and not of evil. Those plans that God has concerning you, they are the best plan possible. If God's plan is good, your best, your best cannot be good, cannot be more good than God's plan. I always said your best cannot be gooder than God's plan. Permit me to use that phrase. There's nothing like good enough. But if God's plan for you is good, there is no plan you will have for your life that can be gooder than the plan of God. God's plan for your life is the best. And if I want to continue with this my trend, God's plan for your life is the goodest plan for you. I know the thought I have concerning you. Thought of good and not of evil. To bring you to expected end. Meaning that that God that knows the end from the beginning. He has seen the end of your life. He has laid down a pathway. You see, see the word I have been repeating. He has laid down the ancient way. That's why it's called ancient way. You know ancient is old. Is that this your life that I live in you. The ancient of death has seen it. That's why it's called the old way. It's acts of me, the old path, the ancient path. You are thinking of novelty. You are thinking of newness. The reason why it's called acts of me, the ancient path, is that the ancient of death has seen the end. It is new. It is new to you. But your purpose is not new to God. Your purpose will never be a surprise to your maker. It, it's like somebody baked a cake. You now ask her, what is the, why did you bake this cake? She said, I'm surprised. I don't know why I baked the cake. She's not rejecting. You, you that came to the room, you can assume that she baked the cake because she was hungry. You can assume that she baked the cake because she wanted to have fun. You can assume that she baked the cake because she's baking cake for barriers. Do they bake cake in barriers? No, 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 they bake cake everywhere. They bake cake in birthday party, graduation party, um, same for ceremony. Marriage ceremony, they do traditional wedding. I used to ask, uh, traditional, the tradition of our elders, which one involved baking cake? <laughs> because it's cola nuts that we know, but now they cut cake at traditional weddings. So if that day comes, and maybe somebody comes into the room and says, Wow, this chef bakes this cake for a burger. The best you can do is assume. You have to ask the chef, Why do you do this? And I'm saying that the reason why. The, chef bake the cake cannot elude the chef the chef will not be surprised god god is not surprised and that's what scripture tells us that the thoughts that god has concerning you they have to bring you to where expected end what does the translation say what does it call that expected end to give you a future and not a hope yo what does it say and a hope. They give you a hope and a future. To give you a future. And a hope. A hope to give you something to look forward. That's what it means. Expected end. To give you a future to look forward to. Hope and a final outcome. Your, 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 your destination is determined. Your destiny is finite. It's finite. It's determined. Guys. If we must find purpose and live purposefully, we must go back to our maker. I've told the general purpose, all of us have to live to please God. The specific purpose, we must do what? Go back to our maker. Let's continue reading. Verse 12. He said, Then you then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me. And are we are we hacking to you? You see, you see what we read in Jeremiah chapter um, 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 6 verse 17? There were people that God told they refused to hack into God. But this one now, there are people that don't know. The responsibility of those people is to do what? Is to ask, is to pray. 
is to pray and ask God. The responsibility of these people is to hack him, is to ask God. And the Bible says that if you ask, Baba God, we hack him. Baba God, we answer you. It will, he will listen to you. Verse 13, if we take it a step further, he said, and you will seek me and find me when you see search for me with the whole of your heart. Verse 14, where we stop, he said, and I will be found of you, said the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity, and I will gather you from all nations, from all the places whither I have driven you, said the Lord, and I will bring you again into the place whence I cause you to be carried away captivity. I will bring you, there is the place, there is the place that God brings you back to. Purpose is not guess what. Purpose is by asking. Purpose is not guessing. Purpose is by asking. We we'll find purpose. We we'll find purpose. We must trust the Lord. We must trust the Lord to give it to us the specificity of our purpose. We must trust the Lord to give us specifics. Specifics, the landmarks, the landmarks of our assignments, the landmarks, the landmarks, the blueprints. It's, it's just like it's called blueprints. The blueprints of our life. We must trust God to give it to you. And every time you pray, sometimes God gives them to you like a mighty rushing wind. Sometimes God gives them to you in bits, in bits, in bits, gradually, preset upon preset, line upon line, a little year, a little dear. And God will just say, okay, study this course. Do this thing. Go to that place. It is, it is the bit of what? Your assignment. They are called what? The bit of your assignment. We beckon on God to give us. You know, I used to give, explain to you that the um, dichotomy of your place and your, um, and your work, what you are meant to do. I used to tell you that. You see that thing that God has created for you to do. If you not do it, God will not fail you. Somebody else might do it. But that place that you are meant to fill, nobody else can take that place. It, it was said of Judas. He said that let another take his place, but let his abort, uh, let another take his no. He said let his place remain desolate. Let his place remain desolate, and let his bishopric another man take. Let his place remain desolate, and let his bishopric another man take. Meaning that the work he was supposed to do, Paul. Somebody will do it, Matthias, other person will run and do that thing. But that place you are supposed to fill will be empty. That is, there's an assignment, there's an ordination over your head that heaven and earth is waiting for you, Isaac, Dami, and whoever that is going to be listening to this podcast to do. And to do you good, to go back to God and ask Him. I think we'll just stop here. Today, it's better we'll just do it in this light. And take out the next few minutes to pray. Okay, let me just tie this before we pray. I said that when God gives to you, there are people that will feel that glowing, glowing spark. Like angel appeared to Mary and tell her, you are supposed to carry Jesus on your womb. Angel appeared to the mother of Samson. There are people that will see those glorious parts. Abraham in Aram. And God called out to Abraham. Abraham, Abraham, come to a land that will show you a land filled with me and honey. There's people 
there are people that we have that aspect but there are other people that they might not have it sparky sparky like that they might not be like the saw that's riding on the horse of Jerusalem and Jesus appearing to him and saying oh saw oh saw why have you persecuted me they might they might they will not be like that though but there are other people that the Lord will lead you he will guide you you will think you are living your normal life but you are actually fulfilling purpose he will lead you you don't start doing things that you think I just like doing it though you just it, 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 this time around now you are not doing everything that you like doing you are doing the things that God permits you to do. He's leading you. The Bible says that that leaded Jacob by your eyes, that that guided him like a flock. You know what it means to lead Jacob by your eyes? You know how our parents lead us? A visitor in the house. Your parents can send you the message they want to send you just with your eyes. With eyes, they have tell you, go and bring wine for him. With eyes, they have tell you, go and love the wine. The Bible says that God has a way of leading people with his eyes. He will not send anything. And and and, and there's, there's how Gideon Doma put his apostle um, Gideon Doma. He said that when God leads people in his eyes, it's when he wants to confuse the enemy. So that you are living your life. The devil is not seeing anything spectacular happening around you. But that life is meaningful. That life is purposeful. That that leader Jacob like a flow. So, so while you are waiting for that spectacular thing to happen to you, I'm saying sense the leading of God. You know, we have talked several times on how to set trap for God, how to pick the sensitive movements of God. Sense the leading and start doing it. Start living your life down the life of please God. Start fitting in your positions. Start reaching out to man and to humanity. Hallelujah. To God. Can we just bow our heads in God's in prayer? Can we bow our heads in prayer and begin to pray? Just talk to God. Ask Him to show you. Ask Him to open this thing for you. Ask Him to give it to you. Show me, hold my hand so. Carry me upon the wings of your spirit. Carry me, Jesus, carry me, carry me upon the wings of your spirit, carry me, Jesus, carry me, carry me upon the wings of your spirit, carry me. Jesus, carry me, carry me upon the wings of your spirit, carry me, Jesus, carry me, oh, carry me, yelele manakai, kamane, kade, papariye, tenenema, carry me, Bye. 
that you show us, you lead us, and you direct us. We hope that you help us. Come and lead us to the city of this drug. Come and guide us to the place of destiny. You will guide us to the city of this drug. You will lead us to the place of our destiny. The Lord is our shepherd. We shall not want. The Lord maketh a way for us. The Lord causes us to walk beside still waters. The Lord prepared a table for us in the presence of our enemies. The Lord anointed our head with oil. Our cup runneth over. Surely, the Lord calls goodness and mercy to follow us all the days of our life. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Can you just say thank you, Jesus? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. We speak life. We speak health. 
Because many persons that will listen to this postcard, that was one that is challenged in one way or the other, that is sick. We speak health to them, we speak life to them. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hello, good morning. How you doing? Um, I'm so excited to begin this um, season of interaction with you and dialogue. I'm also so very honored to have you on board. Um, you are in for a swell time. You are in for a wonderful experience. I trust God to have amazing times and peaks and depths with you. Um, this conversation is meant to last for three months and it's going to be very interesting it's going to be as lively as possible and it's going to be very um, informative and educative um, we're talking about Christian apologetics and like I've pointed out earlier that Christian apologetics is that brand of the Christian faith that is um, in charge with the responsibility of bringing logical sound and intellectual defense for the Christian faith Many people think Christianity is opposed to um, reasoning, to thinking. So there's a way they look at Christians. When you talk about religion, the guy just automatically feels you are not smart. When you talk about, oh, you're a devoted Christian, the guy just thinks that, ah, this one is just one of those religious people that does not have sense, that is not smart, that is not witty. But they first understand that Christianity is actually a witty religion. Christianity is actually a very intellectually sound religion. So that although, um, there is faith in Christianity. Faith is not opposed to reasoning. Faith does not stop you from thinking. The Bible speaking, it said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Loving the Lord with your soul entails loving the Lord with your intellect, loving the Lord with your um, thinking faculty, loving the Lord with your brain. God does not expect us to pause our brain in loving him. And that's where apologetics come into place. And you can see it from the life of the apostles, from the life of Jesus, from the life of every church individual, that God did not deal with them outside their minds. Take for instance, God would have just come for the writers of scriptures, come upon Moses, and Moses would just be writing, Moses would not know what he's writing, and Pam. Moses has written the Old Testament, or an angel will just appear and carry a document and give to Paul, and that will be the letters of Paul. But God decided to inspire them to write. That means God did not do it outside their intellect, did not do it outside their wit, so that a person like Peter had the advantage to write more books of the Bible because he spent more time with Jesus. But he couldn't do that because he was not very educated enough. In fact, the books of the books Peter wrote, Peter actually detected them and the, his disciples um, wrote it. His disciples, that's Mark. Mark wrote the book of Mark. Mark also assisted Peter in writing the book of Peter. So Peter was talking or narrating and Mark was writing. But um, take a flip to Paul. God actually inspired him to write more because he was capable, he was educated, he was sound enough to do more. What is the point I'm trying to make? That Christianity does not make us dull. Instead, Christianity enhances our wits. Christianity enhances our wits. And that's where Christian apologetics comes from. Somebody used to say that an unprepared Christian makes 
an ethics seems a genius. Many ethics, they are saying many things that are not sound, that are not valid. I will explain subsequently. But they look very intelligent because they are just bragging and quoting a lot of jargons. But the truth of the matter is, a prepared Christian, an average Christian that is prepared, can put over the mightiest ethics to fleet. A funny story that goes around is the story of Dr. Willan Craig debate with the four horsemen of atheism. The four horsemen of atheism are Richard Dawkins, Stephen Hawking, Sam Harris, and one other guy. When he was done with them, Sam Harris testified and said, Dr. William Craig puts the fear of God in the heart of every atheist. This is an atheist saying a Christian puts the fear of God. In the act in the heart of every atheist. Isn't that funny and beautiful? So that's where Christian apologetics come. But you need to be trained, you need to be prepared. Like First Peter chapter 3, verse 15, which is the anchor scripture of Christian apologetics. He says, Always be ready to present a logical defense for your faith with meekness and compassion. Always be ready. So, the bone of contention lies in the believer preparing herself, building capacity, stretching your wits so that you will be ready in the day you will be, you, that will be needed for you to present a case for the Christian faith. Um, Dr. Gokul used to say, sweat in private so that you will not bleed in public. What does it mean to sweat in private? It means do the necessary work in private so that the day you are called upon in public, you'll be able to stand firm and give a defense for your faith. You will not be able, you will not come to public and bleed. You will not come to public and um, shiver. You will not come to public and put your tails into your heels and run away because you have done your homework very well. And that's what we're going to be doing in the course of these three months. In the course of these three months, we'll look at different parts of Christian apologetics. First of all, there are basically two parts of apologetics. There's the offensive part and there's the defensive part. The offensive part deals with proving that God exists, proving the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and proving that Christianity is true, true prophecy and philosophy. The defensive part of apologetics entails um, defending the authority and the reliability of the Bible, answering the problem of evil, and responding to Darwin evolution theory. Over the course of these three months, you are going to be getting weekly voice notes or messages from me. You are going to be getting bi-weekly book recommendation. So every week I send you a voice note, then bi-weekly I send you one book that you're supposed to read in two weeks. The books are easy, they are the best of the best, the books are easy to read and very simple to understand. All you have to just do is to put your mind to it and read the book carefully. Those books are to help to shape your mind and give found, firm foundations around the Christian faith. So you are going to get a bi-weekly book recommendation, weekly voice notes. Then subsequently, I think after the first three weeks, you begin to get video suggestion and tape suggestion. So that when we start talking about defending God, I can give you short videos that have done the debate. So after you have read the book, 
there's going to be a video that I've done the debate. All you have to do is to watch that video and try to remember the things you have learned. That way, you will go. Then, there'll also be weekly responding of questions. So, whenever you have any question, you just send in it. I respond to it. If I cannot, I bring in an expert to respond to your question. What are we going to be looking at within these three months? We're going to be looking at logic, first of all. Yes, Christianity is very logical. Do you know that the Bible called Jesus Christ the Word of God? And the translation of it is the Logos of God. Logos is the root word for, log- for, for logic. So the Bible actually called Jesus Christ the logic of God. Christianity is very logical. The next point, we're going to be looking for argument for the existence of God. We're going to be looking at the real, reliability of the Bible. Why is, can the Bible sh- why is the Bible trusted? If the Bible was written by men, why should we trust the Bible? Then we're also going to be looking at a case for Christ. A case for Christ. Is Jesus Christ just a good moral teacher? Is Jesus Christ a prophet? And is Jesus Christ the Son of God or God as he claimed? Did he resurrect from the dead? That's what we're going to be looking over the course of this week. Like I said, you are in for a thrilling time. Um, I want this voice note to stop at 10 minutes but this is just the outline of everything we're going to be doing within this next three weeks for this week um we'll be looking at logic i'll talk to you about the rules of logic and logical fallacy in a subsequent voice note between now and thursday and we're going to be reading uh, merry christianity by c.s lewis for our bi-weekly read i encourage us to to this and I encourage you to just give attention to reading of the book. If you spend one hour a day reading the book, you finish the book for two weeks. God bless you. Great grace. Do have an amazing week. Thank you.